For a long, long time, well over a millennium, France has been unofficially known as the eldest daughter of the church. Going back to, I think it was 496 AD, when King Clovis I, the, the king of the Franks, was baptized. And so throughout history, France has produced just an abundance of saints and um, devout people in every generation. But then ab about the time of the French Revolution, at the end of the 18th century, the faith in France started to wane. Nonetheless, there was one very devout laywoman from Tours about a century after the rev Revolution. Her name was uh, Marie Marte Baptiste Tamisère, who believed that what was needed was uh, a return to devotion to the Most Holy Eucharist, a, a strengthening of belief in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. She reasoned that the renewed faith in the real presence will be the remedy for the decline of the faith of her countrymen. And she had an idea about how to jumpstart this renewal of faith in the Eucharist. She wanted to have an international gathering in France dedicated to the Eucharist. So she spent 10 years petitioning priests and bishops, and eventually in 1881 it happened with the blessing of the Pope himself. The Pope at that time was Leo XIII. He had the first international Eucharistic Congress in France. The theme of this Congress was the Eucharist saves the world, and so this would be a giant gathering. They would have had uh, adoration for the thousands, Eucharistic adoration for the thousands, Eucharistic processions, um, talks and sermons on the Eucharist, um, and, and, and of course, mass and confession. Now, the Congress didn't end the difficulties the church in France faced. But heaven only knows the number of souls saved by the efforts of this one heroic woman. The Eucharist saves the world. You know, as was the case in 1881, so it is now that the cynicism of the world scoffs at the idea that the Eucharist could in any way be a remedy for our troubles. And yes, the modern world does present some unique challenges to the faith of believers. Nonetheless, I think this has always been a perennial temptation to underestimate the power of God to solve our problems. We see that in our gospel. In our gospel, Jesus is speaking to a massive crowd, told over 5,000 in number, in a deserted place. And after preaching and healing the sick, his apostles approach him and say, let these people go. They need to find a place to stay for the night, and they need a food. Jesus says, feed them yourselves. Now, the apostles say, well, look, all we have are these five loaves and these two fish. Certainly not enough for this crowd, and we're not buying food for everyone. We, we can't afford that. Surely, surely there is nothing they can be expected to do with five loaves and two fish. Surely our Lord was mistaken. Our Lord doesn't make mistakes. No, Jesus took the meager offerings, glanced up to heaven, blessed them, broke them, distributed them, and all ate and were satisfied. In the end, there were these 12 wicker baskets full. The eyes of the world, five loaves and two fish was nothing for a crowd that big. Yet nothing's impossible for God. And he transformed that meager offering into a superabundant feast that satisfied all there. 
This miracle, the multiplication of the loaves, it teaches us about the Eucharist, right? The Eucharist is supernatural food. It is not the result, excuse me, it is not the product, the result of our efforts. We don't cultivate it. We don't make it, right? Just as the disciples admitted they did not have the resources to feed this crowd, this multitude, so too we can't by our own efforts, satisfy the gnawing spiritual hunger in our hearts and souls. Moreover, the Eucharist comes to us in the deserted place of this world. Since the fall of our first parents, the world has been a spiritually deserted place, meaning we're not going to find something in the world that can satisfy the deepest hunger of our hearts and our souls, which is ultimately for God himself. But our Lord gives us bread from heaven. He gives us the most holy Eucharist, the sacrament of his body and his blood. And in receiving the Eucharist, we will be truly satisfied. We will be strengthened for this pilgrimage towards our true homeland of heaven, where we'll experience the fullness of God and the fullness of the satisfaction of every good desire. But before we eat of the Eucharist, we must believe Sounds like an obvious point, but it's worth reflecting on. The disciples may not have known what Jesus was going to do with the five loaves and the two fish, but they don't object when he tells them to, when he tells them to gather the crowd into groups of 50. He doesn't object, the the apostles don't object when Jesus doesn't say, oh, that's a good point, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and send him? He says, no, have him sit down. They say, fine, we'll see what he does here. We must believe before we eat. And this is where we run into a problem. Several times I've mentioned a 2019 Pew survey, which uh, showed that only 31% of Catholics believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ. Only 31% believe Jesus is really, truly, substantially present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the appearance of bread and wine in the Eucharist. Why? Part of the reason is probably poor catechesis. They've either never been taught or weren't taught that well. Honestly, part of the reason, I'm sure, is that the faith of many has been shaken by the horrific scandals that have marred the church in the last couple of decades. And part of the reason is we live in a culture that is growing more hostile to the faith. So what are we to do? Well, today, Corpus Christi, the bishops are launching, the bishops of the United States are launching a three-year Eucharistic revival initiative. And they're following the lead of that lay French woman from the end of the 19th century. It will culminate with a National Eucharistic Congress in 2024 in Indianapolis. The first such Congress in our nation since, I think it's 1976. And the goal of this initiative is to renew the church by enkindling a living relationship with Jesus Christ, who is really present in the Eucharist. It's meant to foster wonder and awe at the transcendent reality that what to all appearances seems ordinary bread and wine is in fact really, truly, and substantially our Lord. And of course, there will be events, conferences, uh, various things leading up to this uh, Eucharistic Congress. 
But for now, please pray for the success of this initiative. That is what the bishops are doing on the national level. That is what Archbishop Nauman is doing on the local level in northeast Kansas. But what about us here today? Maybe some of us are unconvinced about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Or maybe we struggle to believe that what, our, what to our senses clearly seems ordinary bread and wine is in fact the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Or maybe we don't struggle to believe, maybe our faith is strong, but we have family members or friends whose faith is barely hanging on or who no longer believe or who have never believed. In any and all of these case, cases, the solution is the same. Prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, prayer in Eucharistic adoration. And you don't have to take my word for it. Listen to the words of Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Here's what she said. The time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the best time you will spend on earth. It's worth repeating. The time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the best time you will spend on earth. The good news is Jesus is here with us today in the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Although Jesus comes to us under the appearance of bread and wine, his presence is as real to us now as he was flesh and blood real to his disciples when he walked this earth. He can perform miracles, heal us, teach us, and love us. We can talk to him, and he can speak to us. The Eucharist saves the world, and Christ's real presence in the Blessed Sacrament can save our souls. Let us resolve to bend the knee before Christ in the Eucharist, to bend the knee before him who waits for us in the tabernacle, and ask him to increase our faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. May he who fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish transform our meager faith into a vibrant one so that all may know that the Eucharist saves the world.